Well, I do hope that you've got your Bible open there at Psalm number 139. I think it might be my favourite psalm, uh, just for what it explains about God and about our relationship with him. But we're going to pray before we look at this together. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us your word. You haven't left us in the dark as to what you are like, but you've made it known clearly through your word and through your son, Jesus. We want to ask now that you would help us as we look at this psalm, help us to understand what this means, help us to live our lives in light of what your word says, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, invasion of privacy. It seems to be a news story we're hearing more and more regularly on the television. We've seen some pretty major organisations that have been hacked in recent times, so Latitude Finance... Uh, Optus, Medibank are among some of the bigger ones that have been hacked. But it goes beyond that. There are lots of people out there wearing hoodies who are apparently trying to get into your computer. Well, that's what the photos seem to indicate, isn't it? That all those hackers all, all seem to wear hoodies. So be suspicious of people with hoodies, I think, is the message there. But the worry about this invasion of privacy is not just that they can find out that information, we worry because we don't know what they're going to do with it. Uh, will they be accessing our bank account? Will they be withdrawing our money? Now we're looking today at a psalm this morning and this psalm starts out by kind of talking about an invasion of privacy. But the interesting thing is to see how it progresses. What David, the author, starts with is thinking through that whole idea that's all the way through the Bible, that God knows everything. The Bible really is clear that God is all-knowing. Omniscient is the word that theologians use. Knows everything. Nothing escapes God's attention. There's nothing that God misses out on. And that's what David's grappling with in this psalm. David's thinking through this omniscience of God. He's thinking it through kind of on the personal level. What it means that God knows everything about him. The psalm begins with that statement, verse number one there, if you've got the Bible open. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And then he starts to flesh out exactly what that means. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out, my lying down, you're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. I mean, you can see what he's saying, you can understand it, can't you? He's saying, God, you know everything about me. You know, everywhere I go, you know everything I think, you know everything I say, even before I say it. There's nothing that happens, there's nothing that we do that escapes God's attention. I think we know what it is that David's feeling here. Imagine if you found hidden cameras all around your house. And imagine if they've actually been there for quite some time. Some of them are attracting some cobwebs up there. So they've been there for a while. People have been videoing you or watching you, watching your life. Every detail of it for years. Imagine they've seen just how grumpy you are when you get up in the morning. They've seen the mess that you have around your house. Imagine that they hear everything that you say about other people. Imagine they hear and see everything that happens in your life. 
I'm guessing most of us would feel a little bit embarrassed by that. We don't mind if people know a few things about us, but we kind of like to think that there's some things in our life that are private, that other people aren't aware of those things. Well, David says that he feels a little bit intimidated by the fact that God knows everything. By the time you get to verse number five, David's even standing a little bit claustrophobic. You hem me in, behind and before. You've laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You got me surrounded, God, and it's feeling a bit too much. Too much to get my head around, at least. Psychologists say that when someone feels trapped, they'll exhibit one of two responses. It's the fight or flight response. Uh, they'll either decide to stand up and fight or they'll try to escape, try to get away. Well, David seems to feel trapped here and he's gone for the flight option. You can see it there in verse number seven. He thinks about where he might be able to go to escape from God. He's thinking about how he can get away. In a way, it's a pretty natural response, isn't it? To want to get away, to go to some place where, where God can't see you, where God can't know what you're doing. I went to an event in the town hall a few years back. It was a very strange night. It was a wine tasting thing. My brother-in-law wanted us to go with him, so we went along. And during the course of the evening, I noticed someone kind of about as far away as that door over there started staring at me. And I kind of didn't, you know, I just twisted around, tried not to think about it. But when I look back over, they're still staring at me. I mean, I wasn't making this up. They were clearly just staring at me. I tried to, I had to do everything I could to get out of their line of sight. I went and hid behind one of those big columns that they've got inside the town hall so that, it, so that they wouldn't be able to see me. I'm absolutely sure I've never seen the person before in my life. Never found out who they were either. Well, David talks about the possibilities of escaping from God. And he realises that there's nowhere that he can escape from God. God's not only omniscient, God's also omnipresent. God is everywhere. Look at it in verse number eight. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It doesn't matter where he goes. David knows that God will be there. There is no escaping. You can't hide in a cupboard and hope that God won't see you. You can't flee to another country and hope, and hope God will lose track of you. You can't dig a hole in the ground and hide. David knows that even the darkness won't hide him from God. Verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. And the night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. Then there's a bit of a turning point when you get to verse number 13. He starts thinking through this a little bit more carefully. This psalm's kind of broken up into four different stanzas. In that first stanza, he's acknowledging that God sees everything. In the second stanza, he's trying to think about escaping from God. But then he gets to the third stanza, and instead of being intimidated by the idea that God knows everything he begins to realise that it's actually a good thing that God knows everything. 
The God who sees everything, the God who knows everything, is the same God who created him. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. The world is watching and it's God's world that we're looking at. The people who are watching him are the people that God has made. It's no wonder that, that God knows everything about us because he is the one who created us, for goodness sake. And do you see the way the thinking goes here? First of all, he worries that God knows everything. Next, he tries to escape from God, but then he realises that the God who knows everything is the God who rules over this world. He's not fearful of God's knowledge. He's now amazed and, dare, and I dare say, comforted by God's knowledge. See, God not only sees everything, God's the one who's in total control of everything. God knows the first day of my life, God is, and he knows because he is the one who knitted me together. And he also knows the last day of my life and every day in between. Look at what David says in verse number 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's nothing that escapes God because he's the one who writes the script. By the time we reach number verse, verse 16, I think the fear for David is gone. The urge to flee from God is no longer there. In fact, David's reassured by the idea that God knows everything. Maybe more than he can get his head around, but he's actually glad that God knows. Have a look at verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Now, I think it's easy to see the progression that happens in this passage until you get to verse 19. And then there seems to be a fairly dramatic and sudden change. Rather than talking about God's awesome knowledge and intimate involvement with creation, he moves on to talk about God's enemies. And at first glance, it seems a little strange. It's hard to follow the logic. David comes, has come to grips with the fact that God knows everything and that God knows everything not just about him but about everything and everyone. Can you imagine what it would be like knowing what everybody thinks about you? What everybody thinks about you as a person. They may not have said it to your face but you know that they might be thinking something. Well David's realised that God knows the thoughts of every person. God hears those people speak, as he says in the psalm, with ill intent. He hears those people who misuse God's name. He hears those people who curse God. 
He hears the people who choose to ignore God as though God were not there. There are people who live as though God is not there. There are people who even hate God, who would call themselves God's enemies. And God's aware of all of that. God hears all of that. See, David is no longer saying, I want to flee from you, God. He's now moved on to saying, I'm on your side, God. And I'm saddened that all of those things happen, that you hear what people say and think. I think David is saddened by that idea that God has to listen to everything that happens in our world. And the psalm closes with having moved full circle. He asks God to search him. Verse number 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's amazing to compare that to the opening verses of the psalm, isn't it? Remember how the psalm began? O Lord, you have searched me. He's freaking out that God knows everything about him. But by the end of the psalm, after he's thought this through, he's saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's kind of gone full circle, hasn't he? At first, he's intimidated by the fact that God knows everything. But by the end of the psalm, he's asking God to search him even more deeply. So at the beginning, that invasion of privacy is kind of a big issue in our society. But it's a big issue not just because what people can find out about us, but again, what they can use against us. What they can do with the information that they find. We don't need to fear God's knowledge of us. Like David, we should be thrilled that that God knows us. This is what Paul says in Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. God knows exactly what you're like, and he doesn't use it against you. He uses it for your benefit. He knows our tendency to turn our back on God, And yet he chose to send his son into this world so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. Like David, we should be thankful that God knows everything about us, that he knows what we need, and he's supplied that need by sending his son into this world. But the other response from David is wanting God to change us, Look again at those closing verses, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way 
everlasting. The right way to respond to the idea that God knows everything about us is that we want to live in the way that God would want us to live. If God knows all that, that we are like, and if we know that God has acted in our best interest by sending Jesus, then we have a great, great reason to do what David says here. We should be asking God to search us, to show us the things that are offensive to him. And we should be seeking to live lives that are shaped by our relationship with God. And we should be asking God to lead us to live more godly lives as we seek to follow Jesus. Simon's going to pray for us. Let's respond in prayer. Father, thank you that you know and understand us completely. We thank you that you are the one uh, who made us as we are and that as uh, the psalmist declares there that we are wonderfully made. But Father, we pray that you might too uh, expose those things within us that are uh, offensive to you. Show us those things in our lives that grieve you. Help us to see them, expose that within us, whether they're our motives, our, our behaviour, uh, habits we've fallen into, attitudes that dishonour Jesus. Humble us so that we can acknowledge them. Do your work of enabling us to repent of them and we ask for your forgiveness for them. Please change us. Change our hearts so that we would love what you love. That we would live lives that are shaped by your love for us and the relationship that you've given us with you through Jesus. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.